Ah, it's one of my favorite songs. I used to sing that one to myself all the time. Uh, just I love that idea or concept of leaning leaning against God and feeling Him breathe, having this closeness to God where you know where we can actually tangibly feel Him. Uh, might be a little weird for some of you, but I like it. So I don't care what you think. Uh, don't put that on the podcast. No, it's good to, uh, man, it's such a good good thing to, to sing songs that bring back memories, you know, that bring back moments. And that brings back a lot of moments for me of youth camps and stuff of just sitting by myself, being alone with God, worshiping alone. Um, but, but the truth of that, uh, what Kobe was praying right at the end of it was just, I mean, this is the truth that we are pr- promoting. This is the truth that we are speaking about. That is that the more we get to know God, the more we love him. And that's legit. And then the more we love him, the more we seek him. Uh, that cycle is what abiding is all about. That's, that's what we hope is happening in each one of your lives. And, and uh, what, that, that's the message that we have for this community. Uh, so we're going we're to continue to study Second uh, Timothy today. Uh, before we get into it, um, I, I just want to uh, say a, kind of in, in a way of introduction that uh, there, there are so many uh, scholars in the world today. Uh, actually, if you, if you have a brain and you can think a little bit and you have a Bible, you become an authority uh, on the Internet nowadays because you can post so much. You know, everything's, everything's out there for us. You don't have to find a – you don't have to write something, find a publisher and get approval and editing and all that and then print it. It's just out there. Uh, matter of fact, most of us know the, the stories of the WikiLeaks and all the, the misinformation that happens uh, as a result of Wikipedia. And, you know, the, those, the, although we all have used information, right? How many of you have used information or trusted information from Wik, Wikipedia? Okay, four of us. And the rest of you are lying. <laughs> or you don't know how to use the Internet. Uh, so, yeah, you Google something, first thing that comes up is Wikipedia. It's misinformation, usually. I mean, it's just, there's a good chance there's going to be misinformation because basically they're asking for authorities on a certain topic to say what they, what they know about it and to add information about a topic. Uh, and so we don't know where that information comes from. Well, uh, the same thing is true about theology, about doctrine, about uh, churches, about religious things and spiritual things. There's so many people out there that claim to be authorities. And they want to have their voices heard, and they want to see how many hits they can get uh, or how many, uh, you know, uh, it, that their information or their thoughts can go viral. Uh, and, and so that's, that's just kind of the world we live in. It's not a new thing. It's always been around. And, and Paul is dealing with some of that when he's talking to Timothy about this church at Ephesus. Uh, there were so many people that had ideas about what, the, what God intended for, uh, for mankind to, to do in, re, in response to, uh, to Jesus and in response to the law, uh, all the law that was given in the Old Testament. There's so many different ideas. I said Old Testament as Russ was walking in the door. So I get points for that. Now, you don't know what I was talking about. Right. It was good anyway, right? 
but there were so many different interpretations. And, and, and here's the problem of, uh, of God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. The problem is this, that they took God's law and they began to talk about it. And they began to debate about it. And they began to add their own ideas. And they, uh, it got in, mixed in there, became the desires of, uh, of selfish people who uh, liked the notoriety they got from being uh, the religious leaders of the day. And so they would add to it some things that might make, them, might make the people hear them and follow them and applaud them and promote them. And so there's that. And then there were groups of people that would just sit around, and, and also it was, it was common in the culture of the day to sit around and talk about philosophy, to just, hey, let's get some ideas and start thinking about them. Uh, in, in addition to that, there was a mixture of other beliefs and gods that, that made their ways uh, into Israel's beliefs and practices. And so that when Jesus comes in on the scene, who is the truth, speaks nothing but truth, lives nothing but truth, when he walks on, onto the scene, nobody even recognizes him. And, and the problem still exists. We still have that today. We have people who are taking the truth, the word of God, the simple truth, the gospel message, and, and turning it so many different directions. And it's caused so, much, so many struggles for people who are trying to walk with God. It's caused people to become uh, disheartened, dismayed. I, you know, in this community, those people that we're really trying to reach, people who don't have a background necessarily in the church but have seen the church, are, responding, are not responding to the gospel because of the, the lives of the people that say that they have a relationship with Christ and the way that they live out what they believe to be true. And it's offensive, and it's not attractive. It doesn't draw people to God. Now, we've talked a lot about this, and so today, you know, is, is going to be a repeat of some of the things that we've been saying for a long time when we talked about the three stands and us taking the stand in the middle, which is just being about Jesus, Jesus Christ crucified, uh, you know, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, his blood shed for us, wash our sins away becomes our righteousness, the perfect son of God, uh, is given us his righteousness. Uh, that beautiful picture is enough. Last week we had the Lord's Supper and baptism, and we celebrated uh, the text in 2 Timothy that talked about that. Paul told Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember him in this way. Identify with his death. Identify with his resurrection. In his life and live with this light yoke that we were singing about earlier. This yoke that says, Jesus has become your righteousness and live in response to that. That's the simple gospel. And yet the people try to add so much to it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I hope you will find yourself in the text today and make whatever adjustments you need to make according to the Spirit's conviction in your heart. Uh, and, and then we're going we're gonna to move on. But this is the issue that Paul is dealing with today for us. 
So in his famous last words, Paul's closing remarks of his life, not just of this, this letter, but in the closing remarks of Paul's life, he's writing to Timothy and saying, here's something you need to remember. Picking up in uh, chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. It's going to be a kind of a long text. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, 14 to 26. Uh, it's kind of a long passage today, so, uh, so listen carefully. Keep it open. Uh, so you can make notes because we're not uh, going to come back to this text again. Uh, we're just going to make some points out of it. Here we go. Second Timothy chapter 2, 14 to 26. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it leads it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name, call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. All right, that's our text for today. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but I just want to bring a few points out for us and let us find ourselves again in the text today. First of all, he says, remind those, uh, remind them of these things. So who's the people he's reminding uh, he's reminding uh, those who he's entrusting this simple message to. Remember that we're talking about uh, Paul has already asked Timothy to, to entrust to faithful men and women the message that he's been preaching, the, word, the way that Paul's been preaching it. He says, take this message of mine, this simple message, this simple gospel message, and entrust it to uh, faithful men who will then give it away to other people. So that's who he's talking about when he says, remind them of these things. Uh, So he's also saying, in addition to that, charge them not to quarrel about words. But instead, he says, uh, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people to more and more ungodliness. And he says, you do your best uh, to serve God as one that's approved, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. 
rightly handling the word of truth. And he goes on, and at the end, he talks about two vessels. One vessel is a dishonorable vessel that can't be used by God, and the other is a vessel that can be used by God. And so I just want to do a comparison of the things that are said about a vessel that can't be used by God. These uh, people that are constantly wanting to be heard, uh, the people that are, that are speaking these vain words, these useless words, uh, the people that are trying to grab attention for themselves, what are the characteristics of those people? Uh, first of all, Paul describes them as vessels that are full of iniquity, are dirty and cannot be used. And so I want to describe what this text says about them and ask you to consider yourself. Are you one of these people? First of all, he says, they have this youthful passion. This passion to say what they want to say without a filter in order to be heard by everybody in the room. Uh, these, these people that were speaking were speaking uh, with a desire to be heard. So what they were saying was all about themselves. They had something they wanted to say, and they wanted to be heard. Now, we can all relate to that. Matter of fact, recently, uh, because of the election, there's been so much that's being said uh, about candidates or about the, the, uh, the new president. There's so much being said on Facebook, and, and everybody I talk to is irritated and upset about what they're hearing and seeing people write on Facebook. I'm one of those as well. Disappointed about what people are saying, but... but People just can't not say it. Have you ever had that feeling? That you just have to say something, you just can't not say it? That's that youthful passion that he's talking about here. That youthful passion to just not do the adult thing and and bridle your tongue and watch what you say and whatever you say, say carefully. And, And in this case, only say, only speak what is truth and what is good for the hearer. But they were not about that. These religious rulers were about speaking what they wanted to speak, and everything that they said was for self-gratification. It was in order to get attention for themselves, to get notoriety. So they were speaking that way. We still have people today in, in religious circles who speak to hear themselves speak. They speak in a way to draw attention to themselves. They, they speak in a way to persuade people uh, to, to act in a way that makes them look good. Uh, I mean, I've, I've done it in my ministry but prior to, to coming to these realizations about uh, who God is and how to, really how to lead a church in the way that we're, we're operating now, trying to persuade people to make decisions, to, to, to be public in what they do so that I could feel good about myself. So the speaking, the words that, that pastors are speaking sometimes or religious people are speaking are words that they're speaking just to hear themselves speak and to, get, to grab attention for themselves. Also, he describes it as worldly, godless, useless, meaningless, empty words. Now, what makes those things worldly, godless, useless, meaningless, and empty words is that they were words that were not, uh, that had no actions tied to them. They were words, they were just words. They would sit and debate. Now, now I'm not against philosophizing. I just don't like to do it. Uh, Talitha and Todd can sit and talk about nothing for hours, literally. Sometimes Maddie will jump into, 
But Maddie and I are kind of on the same page. We get enough of the philosophizing. If it's not going somewhere, if it's not actually, this is not something we're going to do something about, then I'm just not that guy. I don't like, I'm not intellectual enough to sit around and talk about philosophies and ideas that don't ultimately lead to something. Not against that, but when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to talking about truth or about God, we need to be very careful about taking our philosophies and our ideas and relating those things uh, in a way that, that makes people think that that is truth, that our ideas and thoughts and philosophies are truth. That, it's, it's such a, a slippery slope to take our ideas and thoughts and to have this desire to speak what we think and what we know and, and to tie those things to, to truth or to God. It's the problem. It's one of the biggest problems that we face right now in our culture. It's called relativism, which is taking a small piece of truth and then adding adding to it what we want it to what we want it to 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 mean. And we'll talk about that more when we get to chapter four. Uh, Paul really deals with that a lot. But but on the speaking end, we need to be careful uh, about speaking things or adding to the gospel what we think it means. Um, it's it's almost uncanny these days when you talk to someone and you're sharing the gospel with someone and you say and you share the truth and they say, uh, yeah, but what I believe is, and what they what they say is not truth, and they say, yeah, but what I believe is, it's like, thanks for sharing what you believe. Now let me share what I believe. And in our culture. Accepting everybody's belief as equally valid is what uh, is expected. That if you th- believe that way, then it's, then it's valid, and I believe this way. But we're not t- it's not tied to truth. And so we've got to be careful as, as believers, and what we share is, is the truth. It's not useless words or meaningless words when it comes to God. Uh, but that's what these people were doing. It was just meaningless words. It was their ideas and thoughts and philosophies. Another thing he describes it uh, as in this passage, uh, these dishonorable vessels were also irreverent. And literally, that means walking in iniquity. And the iniquity that they were walking in was, uh, the sin that they were walking in was this sin of speaking uh, and misleading people uh, by their vain babblings. And so we need to recognize that what we're talking about this morning the things, if you felt conviction in any, in any way about what, we just, what I've just said, that those things, that's sin. And you're walking in it if you continue to just allow those things to happen in your life. So correction needs to be made today regarding that. Don't think that, oh, it doesn't really matter if I talk about what I think. You need to really weigh what you speak and make sure that what you speak is truth when it's in relation to God. Another thing that he says about this dishonorable vessel is that their sin of speaking this, this vain babbling, this chatter, uh, is that it has consequences. And in this case, it had three that he mentioned in the passage. The first one was uh, that people would swerve from the truth to inaccurate ter- interpretations. That it would cause people... All this vain babbling would cause people, cause the hearers to turn, swerve away from the truth and turn to wrong interpretations. 
And he gave an example of, of two people who he had, 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 um, who he had ministered with who were causing people to go astray because they were saying that, in their opinion, the resurrection had already happened. And it was causing people's faith to be uh, affected. And so we need, that's one of the things that, that we need to be careful about. As we speak about God and as we speak about truth, as we speak about what we believe in the church, as we talk about abiding or we talk about uh, whatever it is we're talking about, that we make sure that we only speak what is based on the truth. Why are there denominations? There are denominations because, and one reason is because there are differences in interpretation of, in some cases, major truths, but in most cases, it's things that are really don't, have, don't make any difference. And it, yet we let it divide us, and denominations are built that way. But also, do you know that most cults have their their uh, foundation in churches or church people who have gone astray with the, and, and have uh, begun to speak things that are not truth. Uh, you know, we have numerous examples, of, famous examples like David Koresh and his crew uh, that started with the truth and began to work in their own interpretations, their own ideas in these vain babblings. And then all of a sudden they are totally away from Christ and all about David. Uh, we need to be careful about what we speak because it has an effect. It causes people to swerve from the truth to inaccurate interpretations. Another thing it does is it, he says it ruins the hearers. Now, I don't know specifically how it was ru- ruining these hearers, but one of the things that I've seen happen personally is that when people hear truth uh, or hear interpretations of the gospel and and then tied to that is this legalism rules and regulations uh traditions that we proclaim as truth is it takes the heart of their salvation away i watch people who are so excited about you know what god has done in their lives and the, and the gospel has had its saving effect in their lives and then all of a sudden this weight of, of religious heaviness is put on them. And, and the joy of their salvation begins to disappear. It ruins hearers when we start speaking things other than truth. And focusing on things other than truth. And arguing and having controversies about uh, semantics uh, regarding scripture or truth. So it ruins the hearers. It causes them to swerve from the truth to inaccurate interpretations, and then they hold to those interpretations. Then it ruins the hearers. And then he said it also upsets the faith of believers, of people who are honestly believers, you guys. And I've also seen that happen. I've watched as, as we have just gone through a, a phase uh, in our denomination of arguing over uh, soteriology or salvation, how God saves people, which is uh, beyond the gospel. I'm not talking about that God saves people through Jesus. I'm saying, does God predestine us to be saved or or does God not predestine us to be saved? Uh, Does God predestine some to be lost and some not to be lost? 
Now, whatever you fall on that, it's, it's an argument that ruins hearers. It's an argument that causes our faith to be affected. And it doesn't matter what you believe. God's God, and God's going to do it exactly the way he wants to do it. So, so that's something we can argue about, have controversies about, and we've all experienced that. Well, I don't know if all of you did, but those of us who are tied to uh, Louisiana College and ba- uh, Louisiana Baptist Life, uh, man, that really affected us in a major way because there was this huge division among Louisiana Baptists. And it wasn't needed. We're trying to define how God does what he does. And God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. And here's one that theologians on both sides of the issue, we've talked about this before, great theologians who love God have disagreements about. But we shouldn't have controversies and fight about that kind of stuff because what does it do? It affects the faith of believers. I know personally people very close to me whose faith was affected. How they walk with God was affected as a result of those arguments. Now, the problem with, those, with these dishonorable vessels and the, the, the poison that comes out of their mouth is the Scripture says that Paul said that it spreads like gangrene. Don't think that your words don't have an effect. They do. They have a powerful effect. And, and when you're speaking things that are not truth, it spreads like gangrene. Uh, Paul described the Pharisees' teaching like yeast, that makes its way into the dough. He says, beware the teachings of the Pharisees because they, their teaching is, is not truth. They're adding to the truth. All of these rules and laws and regulations that are not truth. But it's, it spreads like yeast or like gangrene. Gangrene's a better picture because that's nasty, right? Yeast makes me think of good bread. So sometimes like, let's talk about gangrene today. That's a better one, right? It spreads, ultimately kills. And so we don't want to be vessels like that. God can't use vessels like that. Vessels who are constantly speaking, uh, quarreling words uh, that ruin hearers, that are constantly uh, speaking uh, irreverent babble and leading people to more ungodliness. But what we want to be is useful vessels. We want to do our best to be useful vessels. And in this passage, he also describes what a useful vessel is. He says, a useful vessel, first of all, he says, present yourself to God. Present yourself to God. When we speak, we need to be presenting ourselves to God. Uh, we're, we're not speaking to men. We're, we are representing God. We are not speaking to gain attention for ourselves. We're speaking to draw people to him. And, and so much of what I've done in, in my ministry past is I'm speaking to draw people to a church or I'm speaking to, to, to draw people to a decision or I'm speak, speaking to, to maintain uh, a certain status or to get attention for myself. He's saying, present yourself to God. Your, your speaking needs to be a, a, a voice for God and a voice that leads people to God. God needs to be the, the focus of what we say. At the gathering place, that's one of our major goals, is we want to lead people to know him. Now, people are going to know us in the process, but we don't want to lead people to know us. We want to lead people to know him. And the way we do that is we present ourselves to God, not men. 
He says, present yourself to God, an approved worker. This idea, or the word approved, is, is being genuine uh, on, on the ground of testing. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, you're probably familiar with this, this uh, same word is used. Uh, in verses 1 and 2, it says, uh, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That same word, you will be able to test and approve. We, Paul, Paul and Tim, wanted Timothy to know that it, it was more than just words, that it was words that had been tested and approved. You know, when we're speaking truth, we need to speak truth that we have personally experienced. When I, when I uh, teach preaching class at Louisiana College, when I talk about preparing for, for sermons, one of the things I always share with, with students is my desire uh, to encounter God in his word during the week, that what I preach on Sunday is something that I want to have in, engaged during the week. I really want to have experienced God in that truth, in that way that week. I want to know God in that truth. I don't want to just know him intellectually. Does that make sense? I want to know him by experience. And, and abiding in Christ is that. It's knowing him by experience. It's testing and approving the words that we speak. And so a vessel that's, that speaks valuable words is a vessel who has, has, has tested the words that he's speaking. I'm not just speaking words that I think, or I'm not also, by the way, I'm not just regurgitating what I read or what I heard from the, the, the pastor that is now the end pastor or the pastors. And, there, and again, there's never been a time when there's been more pastors even that are speaking good things. They're, they're, they're speaking good words. They're putting them out there. But a vessel that, that's useful for God is one that has personally experienced the words. Don't just be impressed with the way someone presents a message. You know, there's so many podcasts out there. We, we provide for you uh, right now media that has sermons from pastors all over the United States, all over the world, and speakers from all over the world. And, and you're going to like certain ones. And, and right now, that, you know, at Louisiana College, I can tell you, I could name, I'm not going to, but I could name about four or five, that everybody that has any, that's, that's a Christian, a good Christian at Louisiana College is listening to these pastors. They're listening to their podcasts. Is that bad? No, it's not. But what is bad, what does make us a vessel that's not ready to be used, is that we're not encountering that truth ourselves. If it excites you to hear someone speak because you think, man, God just spoke to my heart through that word, and I'm going to apply that to my life. I'm so excited about God. I'm so excited about him and who he is as a result of what that pastor said. That's good. That's good preaching. And that's good for you. And you can share that word. But encounter the word before you share it. That's an approved worker. Be genuine on the ground of testing, not just on knowledge, uh, head knowledge. So Paul was saying that Timothy needed to do more than just study the word to be able to argue effectively. Instead, it was all about being an approved, approved as a workman whose life was lived by the truths that he understood.
we talk about in the abiding cycle, a fixation on understanding. The you know, first stage of, of abiding is, of, uh, abiding by definition is obeying. Right? It's just obeying what God says. But in order to obey him, we have to understand what he says. So the first stage is understanding. And, and some people just get stuck on understanding. They just want to understand more. Let's just, more understanding. Let's, let's go to Bible class and let's sit and understand more. Let's, let's, let's go sit in the church and we'll sit and we'll understand more. And we'll have cool thoughts and great ideas when we walk out. And we'll all talk about the, the unique way it was presented and the ideas that we have. And we're all excited about that. But the question is this. Is it making its way into our action? Are we obeying what we understand God to be saying. I know today, even though I'm preaching on this, today some of us will walk out and, and we will have engaged, we will have encountered the Holy Spirit convicting us about something, one of these things, and we're going to walk out and we're not going to do anything with it. Now, that's not a vessel that's ready to be used by God. A vessel that's ready to be used by God is one that hears it and applies it. That, that takes in God's word and, and walks in it. It's been tested. So present yourself to God. An approved worker that is a genuine worker who's heard the word and tested it. And the third thing, he says, rightly handles the word of truth. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because I spoke enough about it about when I said they weren't handling it well. But all, all he's talking about there is just speaking and living the truth uh, as it is. Don't try to uh, make yourself sound smart. Uh, if you're in a, in a conversation with somebody, and again, you know, if we're, we're going to talk about truth, let's talk about what we know to be truth. Let's don't spend our time uh, having these philosophical conversations that might lead someone astray. And so one of the characteristics is rightly handling the word of truth. Make sure that you handle the word of truth correctly. I love the fact that Paul, one of the best scholars that ever lived, highly respected, who knew the truth, says, I I, I preach one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. My focus is right there. And, and we would do so well to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Now, am I against scholarship? No. We've got scholars in this, in this building who, who've studied the scriptures, uh, Old Testament too, and, and know the truth, have studied it, know it well, and they're speaking out of knowledge, out of a depth of knowledge. I'm not against that. But what I am saying that we need to be careful about how we speak. Make sure that what we say, that we're rightly handling the word of truth and not just trying to sound smart. Uh, uh, another thing, a fourth thing, is standing on God's firm foundation. I love the fact that he says, you know, in the, in the midst of all of this uh, babbling, there are people that are spreading all these, they're upsetting the faith of people. And then he says, but, he says, God's firm Firm foundation stands. And here it is. The Lord knows those who are his. Let that firm foundation be in your gut. Man, look, we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. 
We talked about focusing. Paul wanted him to remember the gospel. But let this firm foundation be in your gut. This will change everything. If you're listening or you're speaking, that you belong to God. Nothing can take that away. You are God's, and, and nothing can pluck you out of his hands. Once you belong to God, you are God's. And, and that foundation needs to be strong for us if we're going to uh, sit among people who are speaking all of these philosophies and philosophical ideas and, trying, and religious ideas and trying to add to, um, to the gospel other things that may or may not be true. So stand firm. Paul said, stand firm on, God, on this foundation that God's given us. The Lord knows those who are his. And then finally, also being a vessel of God in this way has its benefits, just like being a vessel, a poor vessel, had its consequences. There are benefits that Paul talks about in uh, verses 22 and following as he closes out this section or this chapter. And he says, these are, the, these are the benefits. Number one, it results in you being kind to everyone. Even though you're, you're facing opposition, you're being f- kind to people. You're able to teach because you are experiencing God in this way. You are, you are leading people to God, not to yourself. You, you are studying it and living the truth. You're rightly handling the word of truth. And so it allows you to be able to teach. It also allows you to patiently endure evil. And it gives you the opportunity to also to correct opponents or opposing ideas with gentleness rather than with anger and bitterness and a lack of self-control. Right? You have this quiet power about you when you walk in the truth. When you know the truth and you walk in truth and you're focused on that and, you're lead, you're, and everything's about leading people to God in your conversation instead of bringing attention to yourself and making sure that everybody knows you know something also, when it's all about God and leading people to him, that kind of truth allows you to be able to co- correct opponents with gentleness. I don't want to get in anybody's face just because they oppose what I think or believe when I'm focused on leading them to God. I want to take them from where they are and in some way become all things to that person so I might lead them to him. So that's the result of being a vessel of God in this way. And then a, a second result is that it leads people to, a, it leads those opponents even to a knowledge of the truth potentially resulting in repentance. If someone is opposing me, uh, you know, Jared's a good example. Jared, Jared is a philosophizer all right he always has been uh I've, i remember four years ago uh, or so sitting outside tampa grind and listening to these guys having these deep philosophical discussions about life i don't remember what about it. i just remember it was deep and i i didn't get much of it wasn't smart enough to sit with you guys but i remember them sitting and talking about these deep ideas and thoughts uh you know and they and, and in the middle of all that um I, I said nothing, and yet my presence there with them and not opposing them uh, allowed them allowed Jared at some point to, to be open to me. And I, I don't know that, that he even connects all of that, but I know that, that my demeanor by not opposing what they were saying, even though 
it was, I, I know it was some, something that I was offended by uh, in my spirit. Uh, of course, Jared at that time was not a believer uh, and, and really didn't, didn't like believers much. Uh, and so what he was saying was offensive. But here's Jared today. Last week, we got to baptize Jared. He became a believer in Christ. And, and how we handle people who, who are speaking opposing ideas or concepts, speaking against the truth, our opponents, how we handle them is going is gonna to play into whether or not they're open to the truth of the gospel. I love that Jared's here today to be able to tell that story. But, you know, you have people in your life right now that their, their, their opinion about God is going to be, in a lot of ways, based on how you handle their opposition to your ideas and thoughts about God. And so be careful how you speak. God wants us to use our, our mouths and, and the truth as a, as a way to bring people to him. I, I read a book uh, one time called uh, It's Not Business, It's Personal by Bob Sorge. Bob was a, a musician who lost his voice. Uh, and now he speaks, but he can only speak for about an hour at a time. And he has a very low voice. Uh, just his voice went away. And in the midst of all of that, uh, of asking God, why, why, uh, why have you taken my voice away? You know, uh, uh, singing for you, you know, now I can't sing at all. In the midst of his, his struggles with that problem and what he felt like was his gift for God, uh, God taught him a great, a valuable lesson. And it was that what he was doing and speaking for God and singing for God was, was hugely significant because it affects the people that hear him. And what Bob came to was this, was this reality that in his life, he was, he was an, an opponent to God, not an advocate. He describes it this way. He said that, he said, I, I finally, when I got real about where I was and what I was about and what I was doing with my voice and my, and my ministry, so to speak, he said, I, I, I realized that I was like, you know, the, the, uh, Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is the bride. He said, I was supposed to be a friend of the bridegroom, and I was trying to woo the bride to myself. I was trying to draw the church to me. It said it would be like the best man taking the, the bride, uh, bride-to-be out on a date uh, and asking her to be uh, and trying to woo her to himself before the wedding. He said that's what the picture that God gave him about what he was doing with his voice. It was all about me. Everything I was, every song I sang, all the attention that it drew was about me. And that's a hard thing. He, said, he, he confesses that it was a hard thing for him to come to that realization. And obviously it was if God had to take his voice away to get him to realize that. But, but we need to realize it. Sometimes we feel like, you know, what we're doing is so good. And, you know, and we say with tongue in cheek or over the wink of the eye, you know, yeah, to God be the glory. But really, we're wanting attention for ourselves. And so let me just challenge us today. I mean, this is a huge thing for us. It was huge for Paul, big enough that in his last letter that he writes prior to his death, he tells Timothy, make sure that you tell anybody that's going to stand 
on behalf of Christ and stand and be representatives of the, of the message that we have been preaching together, that you've heard me preach before people, this simple message, you make sure that they understand, do not do this to draw attention to yourself. Do not speak what you speak to, and speak your own ideas. Make sure that what you're speaking is truth and it brings people to God. It's for him and it's truth that you've experienced and walked through so you know that you know that you know that it's truth, not just uh, vain ideas because there's danger in that for people that are listening. But there's such a blessing on the side of speaking truth and speaking it as this kind of vessel that he describes in this passage. So I don't know where you are today or how that hits you, but I'm confident that all of us have a little something. Uh, If you're like me, you've probably got a lot uh, out of that today of things that you need to be thinking about and asking God to correct, asking the Holy Spirit to do in your life in regard to how you say what you say. All right, so let's pray. We'll deal with that today and have some worship as we close. Father, we want to be good, useful vessels. And we want to do our best to be useful vessels. And, and God, you've spoken today, Lord, the truth that we have uh, read today is very clear. There's nothing questionable about what we've read. This is a great example of us hearing truth. And Father, we need to apply these things. Father, not so that we can be uh, better people, not so that we can uh, feel good about ourselves, but for one reason, God, that we can present ourselves to you as approved workers, genuine on the, on the ground of testing, rightly handling the word of truth, standing on the firm foundation that, you, that we are yours. And God, that, that you can use us to change lives. That when opposition would cause us to want to be angry and to lose our tempers, that we would instead be kind to everyone and patiently endure evil and able to teach, correcting even those that oppose us with gentleness and that people would be led to a knowledge of the truth as a result. Help us as we apply that today. Father, if there's any dishonorable uh, attitudes or issues in our life, similar to the ones that we've read about today, Lord, help us to, to care enough about the fact that people are swerving from the truth and that hearers are ruined, that faith is upset when we do those things. Help us to care enough about that uh, that we would by the power of the Holy Spirit, bring those things under control. We love you, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this body. May we be pillars of truth in this community. Lord, speaking the simple simple gospel, telling the world about you and what you've done for us. 